When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Tuesday afternoon on the show today. We will get in to Texas basketball getting a must-win win over Kansas State last night. Other Big 12 action, including two top 10 teams going at each other. Uh, some more tech Big 12 action happening today. Texas baseball has a midweek game, their first Tuesday game of the season as well. Talk a little NBA as well. Some future outlook for the teams in Texas in the NBA uh, also get into some NFL talk. Jimmy Johnson mis- made a statement that had some Cowboys fans buzzing. We'll get into the reality of that. Maybe some more Micah Parsons and some draft talk for the Texans. We'll get to the Cowboys too. Don't worry. Don't worry. We talk about everything here on the Sports Complex, including your text messages. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line for you guys to jump in, join the conversation, whatever you guys want to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about it here on the show, sports-related at least, or at least vaguely sports-related. We try to get to everybody's decks here on the show uh, and uh, get to you. This way I say you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to the big fat poll of the day today as well. I hope everybody's having a good Tuesday. Uh, I know I've talked to you guys about the gym before and going and my problem of if someone's on the machines the machine. and like there was one I did we I worked a, you know a long shift and I, I got done with work and uh, you know with everything I do around here uh, I was done by about uh, like 11 and then I went and walked my dog and I went to the gym after that so I might get to the gym about midnight well after midnight and so there's not many people at the gym and I still go and when I come down to work out there's like three people on on the machines and they're on the three that I would want so it always is a thing but then I saw this story uh that came out today uh that apparently in uh, north uh it was it northwest austin northeast austin somewhere in north austin uh at a uh at an LA fitness that uh, a man was stabbed because uh he was uh, there was a guy on a on a leg press you know leg day Gets you in a bit, gets you in a bad mood on the leg press, and he's working it. And then uh, he, some other guy comes up, and he's like, "How many sets do you have left?" Uh, is what you guys told me to ask. And uh, the guy said, "Get lost." So the guy was like, "All right, whatever." Uh, and then, uh, and then the guy gets up and he goes to the locker room, and uh, so he says, uh, "Okay, well, I guess he's done with that." So he gets, uh, he gets over on the leg press, and he starts to do it, and then uh, he gets up. And then he passes the guy who told him to get lost, and the guy stabs him uh, in the butt. He stabbed him in the butt. Just I don't know. I don't know what started started this, but he stabbed. He got stabbed for just asking to use the machine. This is why I use my method, t- tried and true, that I stare full on at the person, the machine I want to use, and then when they turn and look at me, I immediately break eye contact and look away. So that look, I don't think anyone's going to stab me over that. So I'm just saying. If you're worried, I was a little worried. Now I know. That's why I don't say anything to these people. They're crazy. They they, they caught the guy. He was behind the gym. Not and apparently said, "I just got out of prison for this." So uh, maybe not the most mentally stable guy around. But that yeah, that was happening in North Austin today. So uh, that's 
your gym. If you want an excuse to not go to the gym, be like, well, someone got stabbed at a gym today, so I'm not sure I'm going. And not the gym I go to, though. Not the gym I go to. Uh, Texas did play last night uh, in a game against Kansas State. It was a much-needed game, as we've talked about. There's now five games left in the regular season for Texas. Uh, we talked about it before this stretch when they had the bye week that there were seven games left. They really need to win all three of the home games left, and you'd hope to win two of the road games, but you have to win one of them really to you know secure your spot uh, in the tournament and get yourself a position where you feel like you're not going to be playing, you know, not going to be on that bubble and not having to watch too hard to see if you're going to be the last team getting in to the tournament. We know we've talked about that, but the, part of that is you have to win the home games. You have to win the ones uh, the teams that you're supposed to beat. And you're supposed to be to K-State. They were in half-point favorites, did not cover that. Uh, it still was not a great performance by uh, anyone. Dylan Nassou went out there and did a, uh, had a decent game. He got in a little bit of foul trouble. He had an issue with his knee at one point, came back pretty quickly off of that, uh, but does end up with 20 points. Uh, wasn't his best effort, but that was just no one on Texas seemed to get it going offensively. Uh, the quick turnaround after that Houston game into Monday, it looked like they were just very out of sync. Uh, and that's it, but they've also looked at thing. It, it, it's the part of there's two sides of this coin of what Texas looks like right now is that Texas looks like they're playing some of their worst basketball of the season right now. And I know they got a win, but that was not a pretty win. And that was against a K State team that was playing really, really poor basketball. Uh, and you were able to still get that win. And, and Texas had points in that game where they looked better, but overall, that was not a great game by Texas to get that win. And so they're not playing great. The the flip of that is the same kind of thing was happening last year. I think it was a better team last year, uh, but they really did hit a rough patch right before uh, they played Kansas last year. They beat Kansas here, uh, and it kind of flips the team around. They go win the Big 12 tournament. They go on and make a run to the Elite Eight. I'm not saying that's going to happen again. I'm just saying our next game is against Kansas. So if you want to look at the flip side of the coin, uh, that is it. If you want to be the... If you wanna be the uh, the, the the positive person in the room, if you want to be the optimist, if you want to look at things and say there's still time to turn it around, there was a couple games left uh, less left in the season. I think it was one of the last two or three games of the season uh, that when they started to really turn it on last season. Uh, hopefully they can find that other gear. Hopefully they find and get you know get back. We can see that. I mean Max A. Smith and Tyrese Hunter both go. Ofer in the three-point line. They both go three for Tim from the field. Both don't hit a three-pointer. Kendall Weaver doesn't hit a three-pointer. Dylan Mitchell doesn't make his three-pointer. Dylan DeSue doesn't make his three-pointer. Caden Shedrick doesn't make his three-pointer. Rock Cunningham gets one to fall, and IT Horton gets uh, two to fall in the game to hit their three to give them a whopping three of 19 from behind the arc. Uh, Just a bad three-point percentage. Luckily for them, Kansas State couldn't shoot any better, and part of that is Texas played defense. Texas showed up. There's a K-State team that makes that a little bit easier, that they missed some easy shots, that they were taking some ill-advised shots, that they were doing the same thing Texas does on offense, that when they see a slightly contested shot, instead of somebody going up and taking a decent shot, they pass the ball an extra pass or two, and those extra passes end up costing you any sort of shot, and they have to throw something up at the end. At the end of the day, it just ended up with Texas not playing good basketball and still being able to pull out a six-point win, 62-56 to over K-State. You look at the shooting numbers for Kansas State in the first half. It was just abysmal. They shoot 10 for 31, 1 for 2 from behind the arc. Uh, they end up shooting 35% and 26% uh, respectively in the game. And Texas doesn't shoot much better, 36% for the game and uh, only 16% from three, which is just – you have to be able to figure that part out of your game because what was making Texas effective early in the season against these teams, or especially early in the Big 12, was they were their field goal percentage was one of the best in the Big 12. And that's been dipping every single week. Teams are figuring out how to guard Max Asimus more. Teams are figuring out how to disrupt this Texas offense. And it's been a problem for them since. And the reality of what you see at the end of the day for Texas, with everything that's going on and, and the shots are not falling, and I know – I was listening to the announcers last night. I'm not sure they watch a lot of Texas games because <laughs> there was some positive, but, you know, when they're saying that Max Hasemus is playing good defense and then I watch that guy get blown past all game. And I, and I don't think it's effort necessarily all the time, but when, he's, when his shot's not falling, his whole game is off. And the problem I have is that him and Tyrese Hunter are not driving the paint and getting fouled and going to the free throw line. 
He's age old, and we've talked it over and over again until I'm blue in the face, and I know some of you probably don't want to keep hearing it, but the reality is if you want to see your shot go in, you probably shouldn't keep shooting shots from four or five feet behind the three-point line while you're on the move, not centered, and a hope that shot's going to go in, and all of a sudden you're going to be you know, a 50% three-point shooter again when you haven't hit that shot all season long. You've hit it a couple times. But you're shooting, you know, one for twenty behind, you know, four feet behind the arc, and they go, "He's got that range." No, he doesn't. He doesn't have it right now. He he just doesn't. We we know he can hit that shot, but that doesn't mean he should shoot it because he's missing it over and over again. He's doing it to get separation, but you can't if that's if that's what you're doing and you're taking a one, uh, you know, every team's going to give you that shot now because you're taking it and you're shooting uh, below five percent on that shot in the last four weeks. So why would anybody guard you out there? Why would why why is it being allowed to be taken? And I know what sucks is they don't have a deep enough team that Rodney Terry can bench his players, and it's hard to bench players in today's game because of the transfer portal, and it leads to the fact that guys don't necessarily you know get told you can't take that shot. Uh, but those types of things, you know, Max Aismas has to go find better shots, and if he can't, drive to the paint, take a shot, hit the ground. I know it hurts, it sucks. He's going to get beat up. But if you want to have any shot of playing at a high level, at the next level, at his size, he better be able to find a way to get to the free throw line. He needs to be able to do that because right now he, he's not putting enough skills on tape uh, to make anybody think that he's going to be able to play at the next level. And you just want to see that. I mean, he shoots two free throws in the game, and those are free throws that are fouled at the end of the game. So we, you know, and he sinks them. He's two for two. That's great. We know Dylan DeSue shot 10 for 11 because he got some free throws before we got down to the end and then stretch performance at the end uh, to put up some points uh, and, and hit those free throws and close the game out. We saw Dylan Mitchell miss some big free throws. Kendall Weaver missed some big free throws. Tyrese Hunter missed some big free throws. Uh, you know, it just the, the lack of getting to the free throw line and then missing them when you get there will kill any team. And it, you just have to watch that as you're getting into these games against a Kansas and a Texas Tech where they're going to be close games. And if you want to dictate your pace, that's a huge, huge piece of it. So all of those guys not contributing in that way is going to always rile me wrong. They did hold themselves to under 10 turnovers, what you want to see, nine turnovers. Uh, They get seven steals, caused 13 turnovers for K-State, another piece that kind of helped out Texas at a point. Uh, We did see that awful foul by uh, Data Ames uh, on Kendall Weaver. So happy that Kendall Weaver got up. It looks like he's going to have a black guy today. Uh, but man, that was, that was a scary foul. You hate to see that. Uh, we know that Jerome Tang came out after the game and said he talked to him and he felt bad. He said he was going for the ball. It it looked as if he knew he couldn't make a play, didn't realize how bad he was going to foul him, but was trying to foul him. I don't think he was going for the ball because he was three feet away from the ball. Uh, but I think he was trying to go up and just kind of bump him and knock him off. You know, I, you know, there, you commit fouls sometimes thinking that you're not going to necessarily grab him at a pivot point and flip him over. Uh, but you have to be careful of that. And especially if you're playing at that level with guys that are that athletic, uh, that's going to be a, a big point for them going forward. Uh, I, I do hope that he apologized afterwards somehow or online or you know somehow reached out or tried to give a message over uh, to apologize for that because you, you just can't do that. It was scary. Uh, great to see. But it's also, man, why do you, that's why you love Kendall Weaver. And I know his offense has been an issue. That's going to get better. That's why he's not necessarily playing as many minutes uh, as you'd like to see him because the offense, when everyone else is struggling, they have to try and bring in IT Horton to get anything. And, and hats off, he finally hit two. He hit some threes. If IT Horton can start hitting threes, uh, that's a big piece for them going forward. I don't know if he's going to be able to continue with it, uh, but he ends up playing uh, 23 minutes in the game. And uh, Kendall Weaver only gets about 17 and a half. So Kendall Weaver, he's going to get. You know, he's going to keep playing. But when you see him making those plays, and when he goes up and gets hit like that and goes down and just pops up and goes, shoots the free throws, man, that, that right there. If you're a fan of basketball, if you're a fan of the Longhorns, you love to see that from Kendall Weaver, just making it more and more beloved uh, with the Longhorn fan base. You know, and it, it's at the end of the day, you know, you don't get out rebounded, but you don't really out rebound them. You don't really set yourself for Texas in any way. You know, they scored more points in the paint. They, you know, they they did a lot of fast break points were seven to six. Like there's no statistical category which makes you put that you're much more in the K-State ballpark than you want to be. Because you don't want to be in the ballpark with the fifteen and eleven K-State who's not playing really good basketball right now. You want to be trying to get yourself in that higher range. And it just showed last night 
that you are more in that K-State ballpark range, which is going to be difficult to get one of those road wins over a Kansas, over a Tech, over a Baylor. It's just going to be hard to get that, and you've got to win your ones at home. Uh, but hopefully this is another piece. You know, we keep saying hopefully and hopefully and hopefully. Hopefully this is another piece for Texas that they're able to uh, look at this, take the positives out of it, and really learn from the negatives and learn that that was not an okay win. That six points over a team that played as bad as K-State did, you can't look at this and go, man, we played really good defense. Look at us because that's not going to work uh, against Kansas. That's not going to work against Baylor. Uh, you know, It's not going to work against Tech. If you try and go in and play that same type of defense, you're going to have to be more physical. You're going to have to go after these guys. Uh, so it, it worked for it worked for Monday. You're happy you get the win. You're happy you come out of Monday with a home win after the struggles you've had at home. You're happy you're able to close it out and Dylan DeSue gets in there, hits some, th- uh, hits some big free throws. Max Aismas gets bailed out on you know a really bad pass late down, but all those things work out for you at the end of the game, and you're able to walk away with the 62-56 win. Now you just have to know. You have two games coming up against Kansas and against Texas Tech, both on the road. If you can't win either one of those, it's really, really going to put you in a bad situation to finish out your year. So really go try and get one of those two really hard places to play, and there is no love lost. For you at Kansas, there's no love lost for you in Lubbock. That is for sure. So it's going to be a tough road for Texas, uh, but they're going to continue to go on. Uh, number six, Iowa State, is uh, took on Houston last night uh, at Houston. Number two, Houston. They've been playing great basketball. Houston gets a win 73-65. to Jamal Sheed puts up the lead 26 points. Uh, but again, we talk about free throws, and I know there is some part of this that is because they're ahead. They're going to be trying to get back in the game. Uh, similar kind of uh, outcome to Texas of the first half on a Monday game. The first half was really not a lot of great playing, uh, a lot of great shooting. Uh, defense kind of took over, and the, the shot percentages were really low. Both teams picked it up in the second half, but Houston shoots uh, 24 of 32 free throws. Uh, Iowa State only puts up 15 free throws in the whole game. Houston knew how to get to the bucket. Uh, when they needed to, and get some free throws to get back in the game. Uh, it was a game Iowa State was close in. They out-rebounded Houston 39-30. to They shot 53% from the three, but I'm telling you, those free throws, if you can get those free throws, it is a huge advantage when you're coming in do close games against good teams. If you can slow down the game, take the pace out, take the crowd out, do whatever you can to get free throws, Houston gets that big win uh, over Iowa State, continuing to push for their number one seed where – they were before not in a big enough conference that those one seeds were a little bit harder. They would normally get pushed down to a two. Uh, but now being in the Big 12, showing what they can still do in the Big 12, that is a scary team going into March. Uh, we also get some big games tonight. Number 11, Baylor at number 25, BYU will be a big game. BYU is only allowing 65 points at home uh, a game. That's pretty good. They're not doing so great on the road, but at home they're doing pretty good. Uh, they can get Eves Missy uh, for Baylor in foul trouble and drive the paint like they did against Texas. Uh, this is a should be a win for BYU uh, against a good Baylor team, but the Baylor team has struggled offensively on the road, and if you can get them just running downhill like BYU did, and take a take advantage of their lack of defensive power, especially on the road for Baylor. Take out some of their big guys. Uh, it's going to be a really hard road for Baylor to climb against uh, this Texas against this BYU team. Uh, we'll also see TCU at Texas Tech tonight. Texas Tech, who Texas takes on uh, next week, and uh, TCU is scoring uh, a lot right now. They're doing pretty well. They're getting better and better, scoring over eighty points a game. Uh, but I feel like this will be another Texas Tech win. They feel like they're playing at a different level at home. Warren Washington uh, has dealt with some injuries and some illness. Uh, he'll be playing tonight. He, if he protects the paint, TCU tries to get in the paint a lot. Warren Washington protecting it. He stays out of foul trouble. They should be fine uh, in a game against TCU. And then outside of the Big 12, if you want to watch some uh, top basketball, start to get ready for March as we're in late February and start to get ready for the tournament. Some of those teams, if you want to start looking at that are going to be in there that you may be Looking at filling out your brackets, check out number one UConn at number 15 Creighton. You can see UConn on the road, a little bit of a uh, an equalizer there. UConn won the earlier matchup pretty handily. Uh, Creighton just won their last three games. They're playing pretty well. Uh, UConn just has that type of depth that makes it really hard to compete. Uh, but if you want to watch uh, Donovan Klingen versus Ryan uh, Kochbrenner, those are two really good players. Two really good big men, both seven-footers. 
And uh, that's going to be a really fun matchup that I think if uh, if Cockbenner can in you know really take advantage of that matchup and win that matchup, it gives Creighton a pretty good shot in this game. But uh, that'll be a fun one to watch tonight as well uh, when you get to see UConn, who right now is the number one overall seed uh, against number fifteen Creighton. That is uh, it's just a good matchup and a good uh, setup as you get closer and closer to March Madness. Uh, we also can talk a little NBA before we go to the break. Uh, I do want to get into this a little bit more, uh, but we'll just kind of hit on it a little bit here uh, about the outlook. Uh, the new NBA, the second half of the season, it's not really the half, but it's you know it's close enough. It's after all-star break, uh, we get into the second half of the season with all the Texas teams kind of figuring out where they're going to be going in. Uh, games start back up on Thursday, but we can go ahead and start looking at the all-star break. Uh, now we can start looking at the teams after the all-star break. Uh, we'll start with the Rockets. Rockets are in 12th place right now. They're trying to fight up for that 10 spot. We've talked about how important it could be for the uh, Houston Rockets to be able to move up into that 10 spot, how important it could be for them to get a little playoff experience and get into that uh, that play-in tournament and give yourself a shot to play a, a, a real round of the playoffs with all the young talent on that team, with Jalen Green, with Jabari Smith, uh, you know, it, if you can get uh, you know uh, Amon Thompson some playing time as well, they just have a lot of good young players on that Rocket team. Uh, Tar Eason, Cam Whitmore, like those are all big players to try and get some experience. And, and you know we don't know yet about Fred Van Vliet if he's gonna you know he's supposed to expect to be come back. Cam Whitmore is supposed to come back. Tar Eason is supposed to come back pretty soon. They're all being evaluated after the All Star break. If they get their players back, they have a decent enough shot uh, to make a little bit of a run, try and jump back up. The problem is those seeds in 9 and 10 are the Lakers and the the uh, the Warriors, who are both trying to really put it together. They have a lot more experience. Uh, that's kind of who you're competing with to get in that 9-10 spot. Uh, and Utah's in front of you as well right now. So, some, so a little bit of a struggle to get to where they want to be, but it'll be a lot of fun to watch them down the stretch. Uh, they're going to be still fighting for it. This is definitely not a tank mode. Uh, this is a get into it and try and get downhill uh, for this for this this stretch run for the Rockets. Uh, the Spurs they're in fifteenth place. They're eleven and forty four right now. Uh, I don't really think there's too much you're watching for in Spurs other than some Wimby highlights, and you want to kind of see more and more uh, about some of the guys that you're not sure are going to be on this roster next season. Some of the guys you feel can they get into it? Like two guys, Blake Wesley and Malachi Branham. Uh, they're both they're both guards. Blake Wesley has stepped up as a much better defender in that point guard position. So you kind of want to watch the backup point guard position. Do they do they have somebody that they feel they can use a backup point guard, backup shooting guard? Could jump into an eight nine man rotation. Can one of those guys show they belong in that group of players? You want to see how Sohan evolves uh, again with uh, playing with Wimby. You want to see, you know, Keldon Johnson, if he continues to thrive while he's on the bench role, where he's falling into more of that Manu Ginobili role, uh, all those pieces. Trey Jones, another guy you're looking to see if he's if he's really ready to be a starter in the NBA or if, you know, he's going to be the guy where, you know, you forget about Blake Wesley and Malachi Branham, you're putting Trey Jones into that six-man role uh, or seventh man behind Keldon Johnson. Uh, you bring that in, and, you know, because I think they're going to be looking for another small forward, Julian Champigny is right now starting at that small forward position. Uh, I do not believe that will continue for a long time. Uh, I don't think that's what they want to do next season. But you can kind of watch and see, and you just want to see the progression. The team being more and more competitive, uh, starting to fix the problems that they've had all season, that's what you want to see from the Spurs. And then, of course, the Mavericks, uh, they're 32-23. and 23. They're in seventh place right now. Uh, they're right in that... Uh, playing, they would love to jump up. They're only uh, they're a game back of fifth place, though, so they're not too far out of getting up to that fifth place, sixth place spot where you really want to be, where you don't have to play in that playing tournament for a team that really gets beat up a lot. And they're really beat up right now, uh, and you know Luka Doncic, we know he could use that rest at that end of the season uh, to see all those guys. The Mavs just really want to try and get healthy in this back end, but they really would like to climb up into the fifth or sixth seed. That's kind of the goal. You know, if you get into the fourth, that's great. But the fifth or sixth seed is really what we want to climb to uh, if you're if they're Mavs. And build in uh, P.J. Washington. Find a way to try and uh, get his defensive game up. We know his offense is going to be spotty and probably not real consistent. So if you can get his defensive game up and you add Daniel Gafford, get his defensive game picked up a little bit more, you could add pieces 
try and get that locker room right. We know the Grant Williams trade was somewhat done because they were worried about uh, you know, the locker room fit, that he was not apparently going over well, that a lot of players didn't like him. Uh, he's moved on to Charlotte now. P.J. Washington not playing a whole lot better uh, in his games before the break, but hopefully a little bit of this time can be spent with Jason Kidd to try and get up to speed about the defensive side. The offensive side may come, but they have offense. There is other offense on this team. Kyrie and Luka will score some points. Uh, you're not as worried about that as you want the defensive end and when those lapses on the perimeter come through and guys start driving the paint, you have a strong side and a weak side defender there uh, with Daniel Gafford and with P.J. Washington would really help this team. They just got to build up that defensive side there. If you can start being a rim-protecting team with Derek Lively coming back, with Daniel Gafford, with P.J. Washington, if they can get – they're all long guys. Uh, if those guys can start playing and have a more stout defense inside – That'll help this Mavs team a lot in trying to climb that because a lot of these teams have a lot of offense. You know, when you talk about the Kings and and uh, the Suns and uh, just teams like in that group, they have a lot of offense, but they don't necessarily have the defense. But then you look at a team like Oklahoma St- uh, City, Oklahoma City has defense, and that's why they're on a different level and right above that fifth spot that uh, so many of these other teams are fighting for. And that brings us to our big fat poll of the day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Text line 512-447-3776 is the text line. All right. This is the question. With all those, with all everything talked about what the second half is, we know that the Spurs may have a generational talent on their hands with women Yama. They have built teams before their championship teams. We know the Rockets have a lot of good young talent, and they have a really good coach in Ime Odoka. We've seen the the growth in one season from where they were really just hard to watch last year to a fun team to watch and a team that's getting better if that team can get a little bit more consistent. And we don't know what the future is because a lot of those guys could be really good coming up. And you throw in the Dallas Mavericks, who have a superstar we already know in, in Luka Doncic, a superstar we already know in Kyrie Irving. They've just made some trades. They're trying to build it up. They're going to do everything in their power to try and give Luka a championship team. And that leads us to our poll of the day. Which Texas NBA team will win a title first? Which Texas NBA team will win a title first? Is it the Rockets, the Spurs, or the Mavs? Mavs are clearly the co- closest, but are they close without getting there? Does it give time for the other teams to catch up? What do you think? And if you want to give me a time frame of when you think it'll happen, I'd love to hear that too, but that's the poll today. Which Texas NBA team will win a title first? That is what we want to know here on Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Sports Complex. All right, let's take a quick break. We will come back. We will get start to get into the text line. We'll start to get in uh, to some of what we're talking about and getting in to uh, a little Cowboys talk as well from uh, Hook Em Up this morning. All of that in your text when we come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Back here on the Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Tuesday afternoon. Text lines open, 512-447-3776. you want to give your thoughts on Texas basketball, jump those on there. Uh, text that in, 512-447-3776. If you want to talk uh, little, uh, Texas NBA teams, we're asking a big fat poll today, which Texas NBA team will win a title first? Send that one in on the text line as well. All right, uh, let's get to a little hook em up replay here. Uh, guys, we're talking this morning about uh, a few Cowboys stories and uh, the drama that is the Cowboys in February. That uh, the number is why calls them the number one television show in the country. The Dallas Cowboys uh, never failed to disappoint. They were talking about this morning. It's a hook 'em up replay here for you on the Sports Complex. 
Okay, so first let's play the Jimmy Johnson audio because apparently Jimmy Johnson broke some news that I was I wasn't aware of, and it a lot of Cowboys fans are really excited about it. Um, so here is uh, Jimmy Johnson, who is now uh, in the Ring of Honor. So, but he was on with uh, five sixty um, in Miami. I'm assuming this is he was on five sixty. Um, the WQAM, and he was talking to, I believe, Joe Rose about his induction, and he, he dropped this little nugget. Here's Jimmy Johnson. Well, since the Ring of Honor, Jerry and I, man, I'm on his advisory board now. <laughs> We're talking on the phone. I, I talked to him about an hour after his Green Bay loss, and you know, he's talking about what all he needed to do because he's got had big decisions on Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn and Dak Prescott. Uh, so, but everything's hunky dory now. So I'm, I'm back in the fold with the Cowboys. Well, uh, why? What are your thoughts? See, how about that, Jimmy Johnson now advising Jerry Jones? And by the way, shout out to Jerry Jones. Didn't make it a big story. He didn't. I mean, I you had to go grab that from you know a radio stuff, just a local radio interview from Jimmy Johnson. It kind of made the rounds, but I don't know. I, I didn't even know he had an advisory board. So I, don't, I, I now want to know who's on the advisory board. But at least he's he's talking to Jimmy Johnson, and Jimmy Johnson is advising Jerry Jones. It's, that can only be a good thing. It can only be a great thing. Yeah, that can only be good. And I'm surprised that, like I said, Jerry Jones didn't make a big deal. I've seen there's a lot of Cowboys talking right now, and there are a lot of Cowboy stories, negative and positive. Some of them positive. This is a positive one. Um, but I'm surprised Jerry Jones didn't make some I don't know, media event out of it or try to get a headline or make, you know, make it something we can gain publicity from it. No, Jerry Jones did it quietly, and it's just talking to football guys. I that's growth from Jerry Jones. That's growth. I gotta well, tell you, it doesn't you. go outside their circle that often. It That's growth, as we know of, that we know of. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, Jerry, Jimmy's kind of in the circle, right? He's in the Ring of Honor. He's in the circle now, um, man. And maybe there's a men's been made, and uh, between the Hall of Fame induction and now the Ring of Honor induction. I love that. I like it. I do. Props I, to Jerry. Yeah, I mean that is a seeking pro- outside counsel is a good thing. That is especially great. someone as sharp as uh, Jimmy Johnson. Should have been happening, you know, years ago. But hey, man, better late than never. Okay, so apparently there also may be some beef brewing in the Cowboys locker room. We've played each of these pieces of audio, um, but now in a different context because uh, there is a rumor. All right, there is a. Uh, Right now, there's a theory that there is beef going on between Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. And oh they've taken shots at each other publicly. We'll determine whether that's the case or not. Let's first hear the audio. So, Ty, would you please bring up the YouTube clip of Demarcus Lawrence? Now, E, you played this earlier, and we focused on the fatigue element, right? Demarcus Lawrence implies that the reason they lost the Green Bay Packers because they were just fatigued. Dead legs. Uh, uh, yes, Long retired. Season. Um, but within that clip, there are some people that believe that Demarcus Lawrence took a shot at Michael Parsons. Let's hear the clip, please, uh, Ty, and then we can discuss it after. Here's Demarcus Lawrence. This is uh, right after the Cowboys lost to Green Bay about a, about a it's probably two two weeks ago or something like that, two or three weeks ago. Um, but here is Demarcus Lawrence. Honestly, I think the main thing is who's burned out, man. Uh, you know, long season. Um team dominantly healthy throughout the season you know um the legs get tired but also um you know you got to give hats off the green bay man they came out with a great game plan um you know rolling out towards micah and then running away from me i feel like you know that's that's what they needed to you know get their game started and they jumped on us fast and what about adjustments okay so we focused on the fact that it was ridiculous for him to claim that they were fatigued. That's why he lost the game. Like everybody's fatigued. He played 17-game season. Um, um, and we'll hear from Micah Parsons in a second. But the second part of that clip where he says, they rode out toward Micah and they ran away from me. And the I guess the implication would be they ran to Micah. Basically, they ran at Micah. He didn't say it. He didn't say it. But that's what he implied. That now they they were running at Micah. They ain't running at me. All right. They rolled. They rolled. They rolled. They rolled the pocket to Micah, and then they ran at Micah, which they did. They did. We talked about this. He was like, no, as you basically turn him into a liability as a run defender when you're throwing the football. He may be the most impactful 
defensive player in the league because he's just a pass rusher. But if you just run at Micah, he is an average to below average run defender. And that's something he's got to get better at. That's what Green Bay turned him into, and that's why the power running, the power run element works really well versus the Cowboys. Do we think Demarcus Lawrence was taking a shot at Micah Parsons? Uh, Intentionally, unintentionally? Or was he just stating what he observed? Yeah. That they were running at my, they were running away from me and they were rolling the pocket to Michael. Well, I mean, it, it's not a breaking news. It's what the teams did to them all year, right, when you go all the way back to Arizona uh, when they ran right at Micah Parsons and, you know, kind of they, lim- did. they limit his speed by running right at him and yeah. get a bigger body on him. Uh, you know, you, you, if you're Micah Parsons, you could hear that and, and find, find concern with it or, or an issue with it. Um, at the same time, you know, it's not. It's not wrong. <laughs> it's not a wrong statement. But I can understand Michael Parsons hearing that and being going, "What? Hey, what? Come on, Tank. Uh, yeah. And, okay. So what let's, are you up in my business for? Uh, okay. So Ty, let's hear Michael Parsons' response when he was speaking to Stephen A. about Demarcus Lawrence's comments that the Cowboys were fatigued and now with a different kind of uh, with a different perception potentially of these comments. His audio. Let's hear from Michael Parsons. Demarcus Lawrence came off first take Super Bowl week. They're showing ESPN every week. They won today in the 12. He comes on the show and he said, guys might have been a little tired. He said, because so much is expected of us. Every game is like somebody's Super Bowl. So we go through stuff that most teams don't go through. And I think that guys were a little bit fatigued. When you heard he said that, what were your thoughts? Don't get me wrong. Yes, I agree that teams play us like the Super Bowl. We are the Dallas Cowboys. But in the end, that's not a good enough reason or excuse to say that publicly. If you said it to someone else, you know what I'm saying? One-on-one, you know what I'm saying? Cameras off. Sure, be my guest. But what I feel like, once that regular season ends and they get in the playoff, you're supposed to get rejuvenated. Like, this is a whole new me, whole new you. Like, we need to get ready. And that's part of that culture stuff where I was talking about where I where I want to dive into the players that we got to change. Like, it, it, it should never – you should never go into a game like I'm tired, like I'm ready to, like I'm ready to go home. Because that's exactly what's going to happen, and it did happen. I'm coming to the game every week like, man, I got four more weeks left. I don't know what y'all got, but I got four more weeks left. Like, that's part of culture and identity that I just feel like we're missing. Like, that I would like. That's just something like I don't agree with at all. Like, regular season, ah, right, yeah, I'm tired. Like, I'm wore out. But as soon as playoffs hit, knowing how limited and how hard it is to win in playoff game, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would never say I'm tired or I, I feel fatigued because that's my job to not feel that way. All right. So it's it's the the now I guess some people are saying that you know that message by uh, that response by Micah that now that they may have some I don't know some legitimate beef between one another and that they you know if they got a problem with each other and they got a problem with the mentality uh, that these are the two leaders on defense that they need to settle it so I don't know I don't know if there's beef or not but. There are people that believe that they are taking shots at each other in the media. I don't because they're in the media a lot too. They're in the media a lot. They talk a lot. Like (laughs) that doesn't. You could have. You you know he could have. He could have avoided. I mean Uh he he, he's avoid. By the way, Michael's avoided stuff like that before. We talked about the Jesse Holly thing. He chose not to even address it. He's like I'm not addressing that, even though those were very you know specific uh, criticisms that you know Jesse Holly had about the football character of Micah. Micah didn't address it. Uh, you know, the, his, you know, his brother was, you know, talking uh, about, you know, Micah and how the, how they, the Cowboys utilize him and he didn't really respond to it. So he didn't respond to everything, um, but he did respond to this. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, Mike Zimmer's coming in to run the defense. He brings a bit of an ass kicker attitude. And, he does. Uh, no nonsense, which leads right now. You know, G- Jerry's leaning on Jimmy Johnson maybe for some advice. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy would settle that. Always. Jimmy would get that settled. Yeah, Jimmy okay, would get guys. that settled. Yeah, you guys, don't be, don't be taking shots at each other in the media. Go face to face. Let's talk about it. Get it out of the way. Yeah. Clear the air. Well, you we know, shouldn't hear about this drama. I hate honestly. to make it a 30 years ago argument, but, you know, Jimmy Johnson was famous. He, I mean, he would cut players just to make a point, right? Cut good players. Yeah, he would. Uh, he had the stick. Mm-hmm. This has always been my argument with Jimmy Johnson or with Jerry Jones. The, Mike McCarthy doesn't have the stick. Jerry has the stick. Yeah. 
the coach doesn't have the stick. I agree with that. And that has always, for me, led to the lack of chain of command and the lack of, of leadership ability for the head coach, that everyone knows who the boss is. Like, the stick belongs to Jerry. You mean Jay? As when Michael it, calls him? Yeah, Jay. Jay. Right, Jay? exactly. Hey, what's up, Jay? Who we talked about in that, other, in that interview <laughs> with Stephen A. Smith. He sat in the owner's booth with Jerry for the whole Super Bowl. Yeah. And his, Jerry got his buddies some tickets to the Super Bowl to sit in the box, and they talk. I mean, they don't go to Mike McCarthy to, to sort out details like you would with most coaches, right? Yeah. You know, if you're in Houston, you got an issue, you go to D'Amico Ryans. If you're, you know, you, this is where you go. Dan Campbell in Detroit I'm looking at right now. That's the guy that, 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 that handles business in the locker room. Jerry handles the Cowboys' business in the locker room. Yes, he does. This is a problem. Yeah. This is a problem. <laughs> this is why, you know, you're either even further lame-ducking Mike McCarthy, who's got no new contract for next year. What, what, what's, you know, how is he, you know, Mike Zimmer can try to come in and sort out some issues if you do have an issue in your locker room on defense. But to me, that's always been a huge problem with the, with because we know who yeah. signs the checks. We know who the boss is. You should empower those you hire yes. uh, and delegate authority to. And Jerry doesn't often do that. He often, you know. He blurs he, the line. He usurps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He does. He, you're right about that. Yeah. That's uh, good point. Yeah. He's the he's the co- hey, listen, he's the commonality. He's the common denominator there that's been there that long. So you want to talk about the culture of the Cowboys and why they're a TV show. By the way, the number one yeah. TV star in the number one TV show in America, that's the Dallas Cowboys, but this is why they stay there. Because well, I mean, the drama. We, well, well, typically, that, I mean. That, that we Rod, shouldn't have access to. We shouldn't even know about this. Right, drama. exactly. <laughs> Rod, you, you play in the league. But for, for me, in any in industry, you know, if, if – a player goes to the general manager and says, look, i got this beef with so-and-so. Go talk to your coach. Go talk to the coach. Yeah. Uh, you go to the, if you that. go to the owner, yeah. he says, go talk to the coach. Yeah. You know, the co- you know, that's why I pay the coach. That's what he's here for. Uh, he coaches the team. Um, not the case in Dallas because uh, you go to Jerry, and you, that's where you air, air right. your grievances. That's true. Um, it's always so, been the case. It's always been the case. Yes. Some of the uh, issues with the Cowboys right now talked about their – uh, hook them up replay weekday morning 6 to 11 right here on the horn uh, I do want to throw out to you guys though I want to know what you guys think about the Micah Parsons situation I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in the 5 o'clock but it is it is an interesting situation of uh, you know how much power he is getting and how much they're so worried about keeping him but how you know at what point are you giving somebody too much leverage and too much to try and keep them that they're no longer the value and the commodity that you need so you need them to be great, but if they're not going to be great because they're more concerned about other things, it's you know, and it's a LeBron James argument of LeBron James. Well, if you let him run your team, you know, he can, he can get you, and he's gotten championships for teams. Or is he going to run it into the ground? And that feels like what Micah Parsons is at right now. Except Micah Parsons is not at the level of LeBron James. So I get you want to keep him because he is an explosive and great player. But you have to be careful walking that line of making him the voice of the Dallas Cowboys who's saying, I, I get to say who gets who stays and who gets cut. If you cross me, then I'm going go to I'm go to my man Jay and come after you, and we'll try and get you to lose your job. That's where you have to start worrying uh, about this, this Cowboys uh, team. And, and I don't think Jerry's going to do – I don't think Jerry is quite doing that. I think Jerry may be – uh, want to be friends and I'll listen, but I'm not going to necessarily do everything you say. I'm not uh, implying that, but it is an interesting piece. I'll talk a little bit more about the Jimmy Johnson piece too. I have a little different opinion uh, about the Jimmy Johnson statement. Uh, it's still a good thing, but it's a little bit different opinion. We'll talk about that in the five o'clock too. But let me know what you think on the text line five one two four four seven three seven seven six. We'll take a quick break. We come back. We'll start getting to that text line uh, and getting to the conversations you guys want to talk about. If it's Texas basketball, if it is uh, the poll of the day. Which Texas NBA team will win a championship first? Rockets, Spurs, Mavs? Who's going to win the first? And if you want to throw in a time frame of that, you can throw that one in for us as well. Send that in on the text line, and we will get back to it. Uh, we come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on the Horn. so much 
Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Tuesday afternoon. Text lines open, 512-447-3776. We're going to talk some more Cowboys in the five, but if you've got t- thoughts about what we just played, you're from uh, Hook Em Up with me at Rod E and Rod B. Send that stuff in, too. Talking a little Jerry, uh, Jimmy Johnson, a little uh, Jerry Jones, a little Micah Parsons. Send that in. If you got thoughts on Texas basketball, they got a win last night. Uh, you have some big games coming up. Send that in as well. Uh, you can also send in uh, some texts about uh, Texas baseballs tonight. And uh, we asked the Big Fat Poll today, which Texas NBA team will win a title first? If you want to throw in for extra credit with the time frame of when that will happen, go ahead and send that in uh, here on the uh, text line 512-447-3776. We jump over to the text line. It texter, Texas is poorly coached. They tried giving the game away multiple times, and K-State kept bailing us out. What do you mean they figured out how to guard Max? He doesn't get to 3,000 points without most of those at school. At school, not at Texas. Coaching is hearing his output. Okay. I And this is – I just disagree with it. I think there is, you know, issues of this team needs to play harder. Uh, they need to play more physical. I don't know – and we could put that – Rodney Terry is not getting them out there and getting them to play more physical and not getting them to work and put more energy in the urgency. We can we can put that on Rodney Terry. But on the court, he's getting Max Aismas open shots. They're scheming up his open shots. He is missing them. And if you want to know how he got the 3,000 points, it's because he didn't play against Big 12 defenses. He's he's under six foot. He's not he's he's a strong guy, but he's not physical enough to really push off. So he clears space by shooting further away. And he's able to do this at Oral Roberts for four seasons. He's a really good scorer, but once you put him against better, more athletic competition, he's not the same player. And I think he's a better scorer than he's playing right now. Uh, I mean, he was a better scorer earlier in the season. Uh, I think he's a better scorer than he's playing right now. It's just right now he's playing really, really poorly, and he's continuing to impound it by making worse decisions offensively. And again, just get to the free throw line. Go in there and make a change and go in there. Uh, you have to get to the free throw line to make it. I get it. Like I'm not taking away from what he did at Oral Roberts, but if you want to say, Rodney, that another coach would have suddenly got him all these points at 5'11", I don't think they would have. I think he would have come against this problem with anywhere else. Now, if they had two or three other scoring options, so if he's on a, you know, a Baylor where they have a couple other guys or a Kansas where he'd be the fourth option on Kansas, he'd get more points because he'd be the fourth option. But on Texas where he's the number one option for a lot of this, and now Dylan DeSue is taking over that role, you know, I just don't. he hasn't been able to get the separation. He hasn't been able to hit shots when he is, and he's continuing to take harder and harder shots to try and get back into hitting shots instead of just taking the ones that are there where you can hit him and trying to move without the ball better and trying to get in other spaces. And, I mean, they're shielding him. They're just deny- ball denying. And it's a difference of ball denying when you're Oral Roberts and if you go try and ball deny Max Aismas, you know, someone else is going to score on you pretty quickly because you're going to be double teaming him. You also don't have a lot of 6'3 guys, 6'4 guys, 6'5 guys uh, in the smaller leagues that are going to be able to stay with a Max Aismas where he can't just blow past him. And he does a really good job when he gets to the paint of creating separation. So if a guy's 6'8", and he's coming at Max Aismas and he doesn't have a huge wingspan, Max Aismas is really good at about 5'11", getting space out, getting outside of the, the arm reach, and putting the ball off the glass. He's really good at it. The problem with that is if they have a 7-footer and a 6'9 guy behind you and you're going into all of that traffic, you have to go try and get the foul because the, the shot – and now you may be able to bounce off of them and throw the shot up, but you need to try and make them afraid of fouling you. And they're not afraid of fouling Max Aismas because they know he's going to jump away instead of jumping in, and they know how to do that. And yes, they could be trying to coach him more, and we don't know. None of us know what's happening in the in the gym that you know in those special you know in the one on ones with the assistants and everything else. Uh, how much they're coaching him to do that, and how much he's doing on the court. None of us know that. But I to just blame his lack of productivity on coaching is a thing where you you're taking the expectations out of Max Aismas that were never really proven and putting them on a coach you never liked because that's that's what you're doing and I don't I'm not going to go with that uh, I, I'll say there is issues Rodney Terry's not showing right now that he's killing it I still think he's a better coach than a lot of other people we could have ended up with. I think if we look at other teams right now with other coaches that people want more, they're doing much worse. But I, I, I get I get the thought in college basketball, it's difficult. And we, without Ron Holland and without Max Aismas not 
playing at the level he needs to play at. And and IT Horton, you know, hopefully he'll start hitting some threes. But they just had a lot of, you know, offense riding on a few guys that aren't producing offense right now. And you could put that into the system's not great and you want to, I mean, the, you know, if you say they should be a more fast-paced team, that's fine. But if you're a more fast-paced team, then you take Dylan DeSue out of the picture. And if you take Dylan DeSue out, he's your most consistent scorer. So you're going to bank on Tyrese Hunter and, and Max Aceves being able to score in transition. And if, you, if you're just doing that and now your, your defense goes down, well, there's no transition without defense. So it's just it's it's not set up perfectly for it right now. Uh, I get we can talk about issues if we want, but if the issue is, bla- is simply I don't like Rodney Terry, so all the problems are that, uh, I don't think you're looking at the games the same way as I am. That's just my opinion. Uh, and again, the 3,000 points thing, we can't say, well, he had 3,000 points and he's averaging his career low at Texas. It's a coaching and not, well, he's playing in the best defensive conference in basketball. Like he went from Oral Roberts to the best defensive conference in basketball. He, it, the numbers were going to go down. If they went up, it would have been insane. But you knew they were going to go down because it's just a better defensive conference. Uh, let's see. Texter following the big fat poll today. Mavs will get two in the next seven seasons, one with Kyrie and one after. The lifelong Mavs fanatic. I hope the Spurs become that formidable rival again. Rockets, who cares what's going on in that swamp? <laughs> Look, I look, I you know, I'm I'm okay with the Rockets getting better. I like Ime Odoka as a coach. I know he did some uh not great things uh in his personal life, but uh I like him as a coach. Uh, you know, he's, he's from the Spurs tree too, so we'll give him some credit there. Uh I, I don't see them winning two in the next seven seasons, at least with this roster. Uh, I know Kyrie and Luca are really good. I just don't see that because there's just too many other good teams. Like I don't know how you're you're competing against yo like I just don't know how you're competing against Denver, much less the Eastern Conference and a Boston team that's continuing to improve. I think if they had a few more assets or if their cap situation was a little different, but I just don't know how they're going to add that one more piece. Like they just have to find that one more piece to really put it together and get somebody who's a star perimeter defender at that small forward, like that three the defender that can also score at a pretty good clip is really what they needed that three uh, to be that multiple championship winner. I mean, they won one with Dirk, and they had some better teams with Dirk than they have right now. I get it. Luke is a, a next-level player. So is Kyrie. But the defense just isn't there right now. So I don't know if they're going to be able to get there. But we'll see. I, you know, like, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to complain if they do. I mean, now I want all those titles for Wimby and the Spurs, but I'm not going to complain. I appreciate the text there. Uh, we got some more texts we're going to get to uh, in just a minute. Keep those rolling in. We take a quick break here at the top of the hour. We'll get to more of those. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little Texas baseball, talk a little football as well. We come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.